We are receiving the stories from the book of Genesis this summer, and we're in chapter 24 this morning. In Genesis chapter 24 is the rom-com or the romantic comedy of the first book of the Bible, and it might be just what you need this holiday weekend. It has predictability. It has humor. uh, It has innuendo. Abraham decides that it is time to find a bride for his son Isaac, and so he sends his servants back to the homeland to find just the right girl, Rebecca. And these are the words that Abraham's servant uses as he recounts the event of meeting Rebecca at the well. So this is Genesis chapter 24, beginning with verse 42. I came today to the spring and said, O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, if now you will only make successful the way I am going. I am standing here by the spring of water. Let the young woman who comes out to draw to whom I shall say, please give me a little water from your jar to drink, and who will say to me, drink, and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. Before I had finished speaking in my heart, there was Rebecca coming out with her water jar on her shoulder, and she went down to the spring and drew. I said to her, please let me drink. And she quickly let down her jar from her shoulder and said, drink, and I will also water your camels. So I drank, and she also watered the camels. Then I asked her, whose daughter are you? And she said, the daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bore to him. So I put the ring on her nose and the bracelets on her arms. Then I bowed my head and worshipped the Lord and blessed the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who had led me by the right way to obtain the daughter of my master's kinsman for his son. Now then, if you will deal loyally and truly with my master, tell me, and if not, Tell me, so that I may turn either to the right hand or to the left. This is a story of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In the rom-com pattern, boy meets girl, boy loses girl, boy gets girl back. This scene is servant gets girl for boy. Genesis chapter 24 is a long chapter. It is 67 verses about the boy, Isaac, and Isaac is noticeably absent. He shows up at the end to receive his bride, but he's not active in the drama. To be one of the patriarchs of the faith, I find Isaac rather dull. He doesn't do much. He just has things done to him. But Rebecca and her brother Laban, on the other hand, that is where the action is in this generation of the family. They are both beautifully gifted and flawed. And it's their introduction into the faith family tree that makes things interesting. Rebecca is, is how we get Jacob, how we get Israel. The story of Genesis chapter 24 is told by Abraham's chief servant. He's not named, and he never is heard from again in Genesis. His purpose, I think, is to show us Rebekah. 
The plan of Abraham's servant is to take gifts, camels and gold jewelry to the spring or, or the well in the hometown because in biblical romance, that's where you meet a nice girl at the well. Unless you're Jesus, or especially if you're Jesus, but that's a story for another time. Abraham's servant is going to the well to look for a girl and wait for a sign from God. The sign will be that the woman who gives him water is the right candidate. She's the one. And the strategy, the sign, it's not magic and it is not superstition. This is the servant seeking an important character trait, an important virtue. It's generosity. He's plain and simply is seeking generosity. Rabbi Jonathan Sachs says that Maurice and Vivian Wool were one of the most remarkable couples he ever met. What made the Wools remarkable, what made them special was their generosity. They were givers on a monumental scale. They gave to schools, they gave to colleges, they gave to medical facilities. And the couple had a very telling how-to-meet story. Maurice was a dedicated businessman, destined for a life of bachelorhood, and Vivian worked for him for a short period of time. Her first week of work, he offered to take her to lunch, and as they were walking to lunch, they passed a man begging in the street. Maurice gave him a coin and kept walking, but after a few steps, Vivian stopped Maurice and asked him if he would give her an advance in her week's wages, a substantial sum. He handed her the amount of money, and he watched as she went back and gave the money to the man. Maurice asked her why she did that, and she said, because what you gave him isn't enough to make a change. He needs more. On his deathbed, Maurice told his rabbi that that was the moment that he knew he had to marry her, because he knew in an instant that her heart was bigger than his. This is the story of Isaac and Rebecca. Rebecca has a big heart. She generously offers water to the stranger, and that's the sign of God. I'm convinced that you and I would be well served if in seeking God's guidance on any particular issue, we searched not for spectacular signs, but instead for generosity. Because God's presence is easily uncovered in places of grace, places of generosity. Rebecca gives freely, and Rebecca gives more than is expected. She gives Abraham's servant water, and then she gives 10 camels water. And that is a lot of water. A single camel can require 25 to 50 gallons of water to regain what it's lost over a long journey. And camels are fast drinkers. They can drink this large amount of water in a matter of minutes. So 25 gallons times 10 camels is 250 gallons of water. And that's a lot of water. It's a lot of water from a jar on a shoulder. It's a lot of water from a well. So this is where in the romantic comedy tape, the tape speeds up and Rebecca quickly at superhuman speed and repeatedly draws water from the well over and over and over again to water 10 camels. No one person, 
No one woman is capable of this heroic generosity. Someone else is behind this. Something else is behind this. Psalm 145 that Lynn and Carolyn read earlier says, The Lord is good to all. The Lord is, has compassion over all that he has made. The Lord is gracious in all his deeds, and he upholds all who are falling. Only God has the capacity to be this gracious. Only God has the capacity to be this compassionate, this generous. God is clearly at work behind the scenes here, bringing water, watering the camels. If this week of Saharan dust and COVID-19 has you feeling like an empty camel, I understand. No, you're not alone. But we need to recognize that there is hope in this story when we feel like an empty camel. God provides generously, and God provides often through people looking for a sign from God. Generosity is the sign. Rebecca's generosity may be the very quality that makes her fair or beautiful. That is how the scripture describes her. But there's something else about Rebecca's description that often gets overlooked. You know, Rebecca, she looks an awful lot like Abraham. This is bizarre. And it's fascinating to me that in this second generation of biblical patriarchs, it's not Isaac who shows up looking like Abraham, but it is Rebecca. It's the daughter-in-law, and I simply don't think she gets the credit that she deserves. I don't think she gets the credit that the text gives to her. So often we see Rebecca in a line of matriarchs when really she has more in common with Abraham than she does with Sarah. The call of Abram can be found in chapter 12, the first three verses of Genesis chapter 12. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your kindred, your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will bless you and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. So Abram went. Key phrases from Abraham's call get repeated in Rebecca's story. In chapter 24 of Genesis, your country, father's house, to the land, blessing and becoming great get repeated. And then the very thing that Abraham does in response to the call is exactly what Rebecca does. Let me show you. It's in verse 58. I think you see it right now. It's an unusual scene in the ancient world for the men in the family to consult a young woman, but that's exactly what they do. They call Rebecca and they ask her, will you go with this man? I will go, she says. The family asks Rebecca what her will is, what she wants. There's no command. There's no sending her. There's no forcing her. She goes on her own accord. And it's important that we see that Rebecca wills to go. She wants to go. The Hebrew word for to go, for to go occurs multiple times. It occurs seven times in this chapter. And the repetition tells me that this is definitely a story about the importance of going. God calls us to go. God calls us to be courageous. 
God blesses our going, our stepping out in new adventures. Old Testament scholar Terence Fretheim says that Rebecca's story parallels Abraham's because the faithful response of leaving, leaving what is secure to further God's work. God's people are continually on the move in the Bible. And you and I can read this story, chapter 24 of Genesis, in a time of quarantine as encouragement toward the going of spiritual growth. We don't stay in the same place spiritually. We dare to take on difficult terrain. We look at new situations and tough challenges and we say, I will go. Harriet Tubman may be the most well-known conductor of the Underground Railroad. In a 10-year span, she made 19 trips south, and she escorted as many as 300 slaves to freedom. She claimed, I never ran my train off the track, and I never lost a single passenger. It's said that Tubman carried a gun with her, and it's reported that she had it in her to point it at her passengers when they became too tired or discouraged and tell them, you will be free or you will die. Harriet had a nickname, a biblical nickname, Moses. Frederick Douglass wrote, I know of no one who has willingly encountered more perils and hardships to serve enslaved people than Harriet Tubman. Perils and hardships are part of the challenge, and freedom and blessing are products of the going. We have a spiritual calling, a legacy to step into. It is the legacy of Harriet Tubman and Moses and Rebecca and Abraham. Like them, we say, I will go. Will you say it with me? I will go. Pray with me. Lord God, ruler of the universe, we are a freedom-loving people, and you are a freedom-loving God. Out of your abundant generosity, you desire liberation for every single one of us. Show us the way. And show us the deep wells where we can be restored. Empower and enable us each to say, I will go. Grow and strengthen us for your work. Amen. Today we will celebrate an agape feast together. And Pastor Robert Ortiz is going to come and help me lead this liturgy. I hope that you are sitting at a table, that you have food in front of you. I hope that when you watch worship with us on Sunday mornings, you are also enjoying brunch. So, Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and before each other. Let us pray. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. 
We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. And we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us sing to the Lord our God. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Lord, we come into your presence with thanksgiving and open up our mouths to sing your praise. For you are a great God and a great King above all gods. In your hands are the caverns of the earth and the height of the hills are yours also. The sea is yours for you made it and your hands have molded the dry land. We gather in your presence, Lord, to feast and fellowship with those who have gone before us, saying, O God of earth and heaven, your hungry children feed. Your grace be to our spirits given, that true immortal bread. Grant all the human race in Jesus Christ to prove the sweetness of your pardoning grace, the manna of your love. Feed us now, O Lord, as you fed your people in the wilderness. You led them through the desert. You brought forth water from the rock and bread from heaven. And likewise, in Jesus Christ, your son, you fed the hungry multitudes who were like sheep without a shepherd. He took five loaves and through the abundance of his love, his five loaves fed 5,000 with plenty left to spare. Through Christ's suffering, death, and resurrection, he redeemed us, put away our sin, and freed us from bondage to death. In thanksgiving for these mighty acts of love and in fellowship with you and with all who gather now in spirit, we offer back to you, O God, these words of your servant David, saying, The Lord is our shepherd, we shall not want. You make us to lie down in green pastures, to lead us beside the still waters. You restore our souls. You lead us in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil, for you are with us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort us. You prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. You anoint our heads with oil. Our cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives, and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Today, eat, drink, and remember God's generous love for you. <laughs> 